we are back once again with another momentous Sky Mail. The mailbag portion of Blake Sky Private Eye. Now, I'm going to start this with a warning. If you have not listened to the season finale of season one of Blake Sky Private Eye, you probably shouldn't be listening to this. There will be heavy spoilers. There will be reveals. There will be chills. There will be thrills. There possibly will be spills. So, there will definitely be swears. (laughs) There will definitely be fucking swears. Stop right now. Go back. Listen to episode 13 and then come back and then we can all have a nice time and discuss the horrible things that i have done and that voice that you heard by the way is the one the only kale the voice the heart the soul of mickey o'shea coming to you from beyond the grave (laughs) yes uh yep i not only murdered the character i i I moitered the voice actor as well he moited me Another one to go along with Prospector uh, Howard. (laughs) Yeah, with Prospector Howard. Uh, A bit that I have not yet released to the general public, but by God, I will. Previously, on a very special Blake Sky Private Eye. And don't think of going for your sidearm, Mr. Sky. I'm not too petty to admit you're a gambler. You gamble. You gamble. You gamble. You gamble worked last time. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just imagined August as a prospector. <laughs> oh, that would be a very different energy, but I'd be extremely here for yeah, it. I'm not too petty to admit you, you gambled work last time. <laughs> oh, Mr. Sky, the terrifying beauty of the Void Sea. That's forbidden knowledge in them Toby. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the dude from Gravity Falls now. <laughs> yeah, old man McGucket. All right, sorry, I, I side railed us. No, nah, this is definitely going in the in the outtakes. We now return you to a very special episode of Skymail. Best forbidden knowledge in them hills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Prospector Howard kills me. I know I'm the one who initially made that joke, but you all ran with it so fucking hard. It 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 is It is a gift. I'm gonna channel like my Sean Bean on this one and just like Prospector Howard is a gift. Oh, I thought isn't Sean being the one who dies all the time? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I relate. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. You have only died as many times as Blake has, so don't don't act the martyr on this one. Uh, one, don't compare me to that loser. Two, uh. <laughs> I mean, there's always time. <laughs> there's always time. Competitively beyond the grave, Mickey just du- does it like double dies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're a double ghost. Oh, no. Uh, and then like Bl- and Bl- Blake's just like, well, I got nothing. Well, I, g- <laughs> I will say, I will say, say what you want. Mickey does have a better commitment track record than Blake does. That's that's true. It does not stick with Blake. But, uh, you know... Should probably answer some questions, huh? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know what? There's a topical theme between several of these, so... Uh, <laughs> is it people being mad at you? Uh, mad is a strong word. Apt as well. Uh, but still strong. <laughs> uh, I, can, I, can I say something? Can I say something? 
Yes. It, it is It is the same thing that I've been saying to you. When SJ first told me what he was going to do in episode 13, I was like, the audience is going to end your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of the snipers have been that good a shot recently. So you know yeah. what? Yeah. It only takes one, though. Sometimes two. Depends on how committed you are to the whole dying thing, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so our first question for today is from our usual question asker and still member of the cast that <laughs> keeps asking questions, uh, Achillea, a.k.a. Amy, a.k.a. Daphne Howard, a.k.a. Tumra of Nachos. Yeah, uh, a.k.a. My son. <laughs> my son. My son. My boy. It's a mummy with a ghost. Uh, with a gut. With gun. With a ghost. Yeah, gun. The, yeah the mummy with a gun. <laughs> yes. The only thing worse than a mummy is a mummy with a gun. Don't talk about my son like that. It's just that they don't believe in strict gun control laws. What are you, some kind of commie? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just imagining, <laughs> I'm just imagining Mummy Dad is like actually just being like some incredibly like libertarian like. I don't know why, but I when I picture, I don't, I don't know why, but when I, I, I think I made a joke at some point about uh, Tumra and uh, Mummy Dad going to like a game, but instead of picturing like baseball, I just picture them at like NASCAR. <laughs> yes. Oh god, I I love that. I love that image. Just like both wearing baseball caps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I I love the idea of them just like, you know, in the stands uh, at the Daytona 500. You know, just mummy dad is like in like a tank top with like a can of P like a can of like PBR. I thought you were about to say a can of peaches, and I was like <laughs> accepted. <laughs> <laughs> can of peaches in one hand, can of PBR in the other. Yeah, I mean, peaches come from a Mummy can. Dad is spooning them in. <laughs> to <laughs> a little slit in the, uh, the wrappings. And, like, wiping up the, the drizzle. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, okay. So, the question that we still haven't gotten to <laughs> well, is... Where would... Okay, where would Mummy Dad hold the gun? Or not, I would... Uh, Tumra. Where would uh, Tumra hold the gun? <laughs> The, the same place that everyone holds a gun when your hands are occupied, in between one's butt cheeks. Americans are wild, man. Oh, co oh come on. Like, like that's not standard gun safety practice in Canada as well. You can't tell me. I think our standard gun safety practice is just not having guns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so the question from Amy is... How much shoots could a Gus shoot shoots if a Gus shoot could kill Mickey? Gus shoot? I'm assuming that it's supposed to be August. Like, it, when you say it oh. fast enough, it sounds like August. Oh, I mean, one. Yeah, well, one's all you need. <laughs> We've established it. It's just one. <laughs> yeah. It, it, all it takes is one and, like, an incredibly duplicitous lie based around, you know, manipulating one's pupil uh, and, you know, fr friend of your victims. That's all you need. 
I do like that Mickey's first response was, I fucking knew it, basically. <laughs> like, I knew this asshole was gonna pull something like this. Uh, yeah, yeah, just... Also, you're welcome for letting you put some coins in the swear jar on that one. Thank you for giving me... I, I literally messaged you, like... <laughs> like, alms for the poor, a swear... A swear for Mickey. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you. I mean, you got a couple in that one, all right. Yeah, you gave me uh, at least one uh, asshole. You gave me uh, a shit. Uh, it's <laughs> even funnier the more I swear because if you are censoring this, the amount of work you have done for yourself here. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, don't worry. Like, I'm gonna fucking swear during this one too, but I'm still gonna censor. It. Editor's note: Like hell, you are. <laughs> This is, uh, this is this is this is this is no holds barred. This is these are the end times. This is not this is not a time for for meek and timid people. We have to go boldly into the darkness, swearing and then editing those swears later. Editor's note: Fuck that guy. I'm not a people. I'm I'm a ghost. Whoa. Okay. Um. Ghosts are people too, and I will fight you on that. Uh, okay, so you come in and you start trying to dictate the terms of my own people to me. Wow. How do you know? I mean, how do you know I'm not a ghost that's inhabiting a body? Like a revenant, you know? That's, that's not the same. Are you saying that like all undead beings are the same? Ugh. I need to get the folks from uh, Lesses Morrigan here. I feel like they'd have a lot to say to you. Oh, God, no. Let's just work, please. <laughs> <Don't>, <laughs> please, Riley, Evelyn, don't drag me. <laughs> drag him. <laughs> uh, all right. The mystery for Blake to solve on this one is how hard is it to actually cut through a finger? As in the canon, depends on how knife uh, how knife the sharp is, how sharp the knife is. Uh. With the additional factor that if, if you have been using it to carve into concrete, it's going to be less sharp. In a more morbid term, there's a reason that they don't, like, they ask you to uh, cut bagels a certain way and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Because if you do have a very sharp knife, you can, in fact, quite easily cut off a fingertip. Uh, or, like, a finger or something. Uh, it is not as hard as we all hope and wish it was. So... I saw, I found one thing, but it looks super, super sus. Uh, where it says that in 1956, tests were conducted on a cadaver, on cadavers to determine the force necessary to successfully sever a finger. And it was discovered that on average, it's about 1,485 newtons of force, which fractures the bones, tendon, and skin enough to sever the finger. I mean, it, that's also going to depend where you're hitting, because if you're hitting at a joint... At a joint, yeah, so... Yeah, because I mean, like, I feel like if you were cutting a carrot, like a... You're putting enough force into that that you could probably sever yeah, the finger. Yeah, I mean, like, everybody, everybody always says that little fact, you know, that, like, like, that you can bite through your finger as easily as you could bite through a carrot, but your brain puts like blocks in there so that you can mm -hmm. and stuff which yeah, I yeah because your brain is like what the fuck are you doing you absolute asshole but I don't know if I believe that or not it sounds like 
it sounds like bullshit to me. Well, like, I mean, then look up look up stuff on how people biting off other people's fingers. No, no brain block against that. And it's definitely something that people have done in self-defense. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's one of those things like, you know, where you can't like suffocate yourself without like external means of stuff as, as, as well, you know, because like your body relaxes and stuff like that. Pain would cause you to stop fighting down. So, you know, I don't know. But it's at least less than 2,000 newtons of force, which is what we've determined. So, mm-hmm. and if there's one yeah. thing that I remember from my physics class, a newton is, I believe, roughly the weight of one McDonald's cheeseburger. I never took physics, and I don't know if McDonald's cheeseburgers in the states are different. I assume they're probably bigger. I don't. I don't know. Like, I mean, I mean, like, obviously they have. I'm not talking about like the quarter pounder or anything like that, because obviously, you know. I also don't eat McDonald's. I, listen, you know what? Like, we're we're having a dialogue here. All right. I I just I need I need you to just support me right now. I, I'm trying to support you, but I don't know how many, new, like, newtons of force that you need from me. Well, if you're supporting me, I need normal force, which is just my weight with a negative vector instead of a positive. God, you're a nerd. Yes, I am. <laughs> I think I can feel all of our audience breaking out in hives because I guarantee you they're all just gays allergic to math. Uh, there are some just, you know, like... Gays that are also like math gays, yes. But there's there look, there's like two kinds of gays. You're a math gay or you're a gay that's allergic to math. And you know what? We have several straight listeners. Uh I will believe that when I see it. I mean Ness listens. (laughs) Ness is on the show. He's the token straight. The token straight. Yes. You know what? No. Like we don't He's the straight friend. Um, we don't believe in tokenism here, alright, so... Oh, you know what, I have to point out, you did make the one straight man the murderer. Oh, shit, am I problematic? (laughs) Oh, fuck. I mean, Mickey is also a murderer, so... (laughs) It's it's just all (laughs) off-screen. And I mean, like, that's just business. That's not actively just being shitty and petty. Yeah, I mean... Like, what's worse, murdering somebody because you, like, hate them or murdering somebody because you want to make more money, you know? Well, no, more, it, probably not money. It's probably because they were moving in on a, like, very specific and lucrative, like, land investment or something. Or they, or you know what? Like, like hey, here's the thing. August did, in fact, shoot uh, Blake for getting even slightly involved in his affairs. Mickey just kicked the shit out of Blake for getting involved in their affairs. You know what? When you put it that way, it definitely does show a level of even temperament that, uh, you know, you you don't you don't find in organized crime, and you don't realize it's not there until you're missing it, you know? <laughs> Truly. So the, the second question that we have is from Pup or Puptato, uh, which is, why'd you have to do Mickey like that? <laughs> double double question marks, sad face. Um, the reason that I had to do 
Mickey like that is because, realistically, he wants to make you suffer. Editor's note, these are proprietary secrets of Blake Sky Enterprises. Please do not steal. That's not entirely true. I subscribe to the theory that, like, character death shouldn't be something that you throw in. Like, as much as I like to joke with, like, people that I run role-playing games with and, you know, like, people on this podcast and stuff like that. As much as I like to joke that, you know, it's like, ah, I'm going to reap i'm gonna reap the harvest of tears after i sow the seeds of sorrow (laughs) (laughs) yes with with yes with a maniacal laugh afterwards uh i don't i don't actually believe that and i don't try that what what i try to do is i i try very hard to think about action and reaction and what the choices and what like what people's actions result in And I think that in this situation, that a lot of the choices and a lot of the directions that the characters were going put Mickey, unfortunately, in the crosshairs. So what you're saying is that uh, if Mickey didn't want to get shot, they shouldn't have been so shootable. I'm... (laughs) Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) I don't, I'm not victim blaming Mickey. Uh, I'm saying that like, I'll I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a for instance. Uh, I I know what you're saying. I'm just actively choosing to be uncooperative. I know. I mean, trust me, that's the kale special. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, and that, and that's why you're such a good Mickey. I was like, if you want you you if you hire a chaos demon to play a chaos demon, you do have to deal with the repercussions of having a chaos demon on staff. Uh, on, <laughs> yeah, on retainer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, for for instance, like in this case, I think that Eleanor's feelings regarding the rest of the group having this moment where it's like, I'm finally going to be able to take control of this situation. I'm in charge. I'm making the rules. It's not, you know, me reacting to this and like, just hoping that like magic has the answer and stuff like that. And having that fail was like this concrete moment. And the unfortunate repercussion of that is that she is on the back foot. She's staggering, trying to make something work. And the best that she can think that does anything to protect the people that she loves is going with August. But unfortunately, she is a naive character to some degree and doesn't even consider the notion that August Howard is is a complete jerk who's a brutal pragmatist who's like, yeah, I'll make this agreement and then I'll murder these two. <laughs> well, murder this one and then... I mean, spoilies. Uh, but, uh, I mean, in, in her defense, um, it has been established that uh, Eleanor had, like, a little bit of, like, feelings for August at one point and, like, like maybe like a little bit like a like a sort of mentorship uh crush kind of thing and so i think there's probably a certain amount of reluctance to 
sort of see him for the monster he is. Like, I think that's a natural way to feel. Like, yeah, it's not necessarily that she is just too naive to recognize him for what it is. It's also that she just actively does not want to see that. Even after he tried to kill her, there's still, like, the way she talks about him, she still, like, very clearly admires him a lot. I think that she does view him as a monster for what he did. But he is a monster in her mind that she knows. That, like, Mm -hmm. obviously he is driven by his, you know lust for knowledge and power but you know he's he's a gentleman still you can trust him and that's not the case as we have seen mm-hmm. yeah like she thinks she thinks he operates within a certain parameter of honor yeah civility yeah my <laughs> voice also did something funny there honor honor your honor your honor your Honor, it's Prospector Howard. <laughs> I'd like to move for a sidebar, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> Prospector Howard Esquire. <laughs> uh, that's just Desmond. There's a second half to this question. You mean, why'd you have to do Mickey like that isn't the whole question? Nope. For Kale. Yeah, that's me. What was it like working up to this episode? Did you know that this was coming? Which we kind of already addressed a yes. little bit. But. Yes, yes, yes. I have known for ages. Uh, I think since um, I think since episode seven ish uh, was when you first broached it to me. Uh, but I think because that was around the time that I I hassled you so much that the uh, we made we made the uh, joke. Mickey trip. Mickey trips on a, a rake, a dies, uh, scene end, Finn, Enya plays, was the thing, which is not going to make any sense to anybody who has not seen that meme that I have, I made. Um, but I think that's, that may have been how that conversation came up. Um, or it may have come up before that. I don't know. Time is honestly fake. But, uh, yeah, no, so I've known, uh, I've known for a hot minute um, but, uh, yeah, working up to the scene, I was definitely nervous. Uh, uh, I know this is maybe an unusual experience, but it was my first time dying. Uh, <laughs> which it was a very good death scene. And like, we've gotten so many comments that are just like, that was so good. Also, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the latter to me, but yes, you know I know. What? You know what? That's fine. People can hate me as long as it gives you a chance to showcase how good you are at getting murdered. <laughs> it's my special talent. I'm a millennial. <laughs> Oof. Big mood. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, no mystery for Blake Sky to solve on this one. The next one is from... It's either Random House Publisher or Random House Publisher. And I'm not sure which way I want to read it. I am choosing Random House Publisher because I'm just, I don't know if I want that to be physical houses or house, like house music. Like it's just a random DJ that just shows the fuck up to your house. Like, and it's like, I'm here to, uh, I'm here to distribute some literature and also drop some sick beats. (laughs) 
all right. So what pieces of media would be the easiest for each character to integrate into? So, I mean, for Blake, the obvious answer is like insert any film noir detective movie, any like Dashiell Hammett, um, any, I mean, any of those. But I think it'd be more fun if it was like something dumb, like have him integrate into like Scooby-Doo. Oh, some wrong genre savvy shit where like he thinks everything is serious and then it's like actually a comedy. I love that. <laughs> like the the gang's like, it's probably just the guy in a rubber mask. And he's just like, it's probably just some great old one possessing oh, your friend from beyond the abyss. <laughs> he just pulls out his gun and shoots somebody dead. <laughs> just fucking shoots Mrs. Like Cratchit from the fucking butcher house or whatever it is butchery the place where the butchering happens editor's note this would be a butcher shop or a boucherie in french it was it was old man higgins yeah it was until i shot him from random house publishing uh i mean mickey is mickey is like you could put mickey into basically any horror movie especially a zombie movie and it would just be very funny because mickey is a very pragmatic person and would just be like hmm yeah i hate that and just like go about their fucking business (laughs) would it would it be that story that we were talking about which is just the horror movie that's avoided yeah that i mean like mickey mickey is because mickey is also just like not the person who goes like is not like suburban white couple moves into house and then refuses to move out mickey would just be like this is clearly a bad investment and leave (laughs) (laughs) uh which i guess means that they wouldn't be a good fit for that genre Uh, (laughs) i mean they'd be a good fit for surviving that genre it would just not be a which is more than we can say for this genre wah wah but would not would not be a good fit for like being entertaining in that genre i i think mickey would probably mm. i will say mickey also feels very much like the com the comedic side character in a lot of like i'm thinking it might be specifically like british comedies from uh maybe like the early like the sort of stuff my mom would watch um where they like I'm thinking specifically, I haven't seen it in years, but like, like Notting Hill or whatever it's called, where you had Spike, um, where there's usually a side character who's just kind of outlandish. Uh, I feel like Mickey could definitely be kind of just the absolute batshit side character in like a rom-com who talks all the time about having a criminal enterprise and no one's 100% sure whether or not they're being serious. (laughs) I can definitely see that. I'll tell you I'll tell you what my personal take on this is. And you don't have to go with this, but I just want to put this into the world. I could see Mickey as like really making a killing on like a Riverdale-esque like late teen to like <laughs> oh, early no. young adult dramatic series. Like as a teen? It would be one of those things where uh, the character would be a teen, but Mickey is obviously like 
35 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I feel like Mickey. Because, like, if you're going Teen Mickey, that is a different person. Because Teen Mickey, canonically, was just an absolute, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just, like, a fucking hellion. Like, Teen Mickey, like, Mickey is one of those people who has absolutely mellowed by about 300%. Like, oh, God. Oh, God. Like, like, Mickey was a nightmare teenager. I, I refuse to hear otherwise like i mean, just i want you to imagine mickey's personality i'd, I'd rather not a hormonal teen body don't make me you can't make me too late you already are uh yeah like teen teen mickey would uh, i mean I, I guess we could probably talk about this that like we've discussed a little bit that mickey almost certainly has was like expelled from school. <laughs> like, I mean, Mickey deserted the army yeah, in Mickey World War One. Is not like well known for feeling an especially like they're not someone you can really bully into sticking with something if they think it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh try and rapid fire the other characters on this one. Um Eleanor uh, Eleanor? I mean, Eleanor could definitely be, like, a teen, like, uh, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or... Or, like, like a, a Charmed. Yeah. Like, I imagine, like, Charmed, but instead of, like, witch-type magic, it's all just eldritch horror. I could also see her in a, like, kind of magical realism, like, girl detective series. Oh, that would be rad. I would really like that. What piece is it? So, I feel like Gordon would be an obvious choice for, like, a sitcom sort of thing. Or, really? like, a... My first thought was, like, fucking stock romance, but it's gay romance. Like, he's so clearly the lead, like, the, the love interest in, yeah. in a romantic I, like, plot. See, I kind of had the same thing, but, like, from a Cheers angle, where it's, like, Jack and Diane... But it's just, you know, gay. So Jack and Dion. Yeah. <laughs> August Howard. I think. I think. Like. I think August Howard would be good in like a more like straight on horror movie as like the protagonist who becomes the antagonist by the end of it. Do they have to be? Do, okay. Are we slotting them in necessarily as the protagonists? No, it doesn't have to be. Because I feel like August Howard could be a Batman villain. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he would essentially kind of be, like... A little bit, like, Doc Ock-esque, or, like... Like a Hugo Strange, I I, I kind of had yeah. in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, uh, Hugo Strange is too... Like, he's too much... I, I'd almost say more like uh, Mr. Freeze-esque, because, like, he's going about his own shit and just will not tolerate, like, people getting in his way kind of thing, whereas Hugo Strange is obsessed with Batman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And... You know, both of them arguably have, like, motivations that seated in, you know, something else that's driving them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who else? Uh, we've uh, got... We already talked about Mickey. We already talked about Gordon. We already talked uh, about August. Desmond and the, outs- uh, the Outsider. Okay. Uh, and Daphne. And the Rat King. 
and the Rat King. Uh, I stand by my earlier statement that the Rat King, the sitcom is clearly the Rat King and the Rat King's niece. Yes, I'm for it. Yeah. Like, it's one of those where it's like forced it's to live together. It's about generational disconnect. Yeah. And also eating people. I mean, if you really have to say the subtext out loud. The, for Desmond? Desmond's in a Sherlock type thing. Desmond is, Desmond would basically be in like, what if August and Desmond were like Sherlock and Watson, I feel. I, I almost feel like Desmond would be the like kind of like boy genius lead but it's this whole like inferiority complex towards somebody that he looks up to who just refuses to notice him yeah that's Um, good yeah because like that's very much desmond's whole kind of energy uh is this like like you, you like adored and acknowledged by other people except the one person yeah uh for the for the outsider um i mean definitely like coming of age story i mean that's oh i was gonna say the outsider is uh in the story alongside uh, eleanor in the magical realism girl detective (laughs) story i mean i mean really you could get you could do two birds with one stone in that so yeah you got you got eleanor as the uh the girl detective and then you've got the outsider as the kind of like uh sweet but like a little bit a little bit unpredictable uh like second lead yeah i like it uh daphne oh daphne yes thank you thank you uh daphne god like daphne i i almost see daphne as like a murder she wrote sort of sitch I was going to say, Daphne has sort of inherently strong noir type vibes. Yeah. Uh, I could also see Daphne in a, I don't remember what it's called, like ex-wives club type or like uh, a movie that is just her and several other women conspiring to uh, murder their husbands. Yeah, I could see that. For, for me, I just imagined it more like she gets away from like the noir mysteries but ends up in like cozy mysteries it, <laughs> on accident and it's and it's even better cuz she still like has that like femme fatale sort of energy about I, her uh, my f- personal favorite was the crossover arc with the uh, girl magical realism girl detective series <laughs> <laughs> where the where the, ma- the the magical girl detective duo uh Run into Daphne up, Howard. <laughs> yeah, hap, happens happens upon uh, the uh, cozy noir detective. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I like it. I like it. The whole fan base is just like, and Daphne Howard is mom. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the mystery for Blake's guy to solve on this one. Uh, whatever happened to all the pet murder? I never condoned, encouraged, nor contributed to that. I mean, I will say that the pet murder, who's to say the pet murder ever went away? Maybe we're just keeping it under wraps so that we can track the pet murderer better. Who's to say that I didn't already track the pet murderer and it is done? Who's to say that you're not the pet murderer, Random House Publishing? Who's to say I'm not the pets that were murdered? Oh, we can just keep doing this all the time. We've already established that I'm dead. That's true. 
Oh, you could be you could be our eyes on the other side that uh, that help us. I'm an astral rat king. I'm just composed of all of the murdered pets and the ghost oh, of Brown. That's horrifying. <laughs> all right, so that pretty much wraps up all of the questions that we have. We do have. I know I've been on a stint lately doing interviews. Um, and I know, I know, I know you all have been aching for that good, good mailbag content. So we gave you that, but we're not going to give up on the interviews just yet because we actually have a very special guest. Uh, some of you have seen the artwork that we recently got commissioned of uh, everyone's favorite horrible floating mouth eye monster in the void sea, uh, dragging people back from death, slightly wrong, Chagaram. Uh, well, we have the artist that produced that amazing piece of art with us right now, uh, and that is Kat. Kat, how are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, this is my first time on a podcast. Very exciting. Feels very special. Well, we will do our best to try and make it fun and not terrible, and I will make sure that you leave here more alive than uh, Mickey O'Shea left the last episode. I thought for a moment you were going to say more alive than when you uh, joined. I was like, I mean, you can try if you want. Uh, more, more. <laughs> I, I will show. <laughs> just just go like full Hellraiser. Where it's like, I will show you such sights. Oh, I love a Cenobite. <laughs> uh, no, see, this is how this works. We bully SJ. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> that is true. It is 100% the correct thing to do for everyone to dunk on me to make fun of me and then i just smile and i laugh and then i turn off the recording and i just look into the middle distance and but he was gonna do that anyway i mean don't we all these days <laughs> wow oh, a, little, a, little, a little too a little too real there a little too much, a little too much. I can bring it back a little. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, no, no, no. That's good. It's it's just enough. It's just enough depression. <laughs> but uh, so, um, Kat, for the for the, the listeners at home or where, wherever they're listening, what were, what were your inspirations for the Chargaron piece? Because I'm, you know, I gave you like what we have in the podcast, but you definitely like added a lot of really cool elements and kind of fleshed it out in a way that just was in my in my opinion really transformative and really breathtaking and i'm just curious like how you came to those like choices and and decisions uh i mean i'm a huge fan of zoology and anatomy and i'm also a huge fan of the way that the actual physical world around us is full of absolute nonsense that sounds like something from cosmic horror uh, and I love taking those and combining them. Like, I, I specialized in... I went to school for art. Um, I specialized in character design uh, combined with also scientific illustration. And those two things actually work really well together. As I'm very... Like, one of the things I think I showed you in the process was I collected a bunch of... I collected a bunch of imagery of, like, here's some sea creatures. Here's some stuff with crazy teeth. You know, basically taking that core concept you gave and extrapolating, okay. And listening to, I listened to the episode, of course, with it and listening to that and hearing the description and thinking, okay, so what does that look like? And at the same time, it can't be all organic because that will make it a little too normal. Like that's just an alien. 
it make it just a little too normal to be all biology, which is with the arms where I got into fractals, because like, again, I refer you to the real world is full of absolute nonsense that should break our brains, which if you've ever tried to look at a fractal for too long, sure can happen. Uh, math, how does that work? It's, it's, I can tell it's amazing, but God, I can't wrap my head around it. Uh, oh my god, this is so on theme. We were just yeah. talking about we, 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 were, we, were, we were literally <laughs> just talking about how, like, there might be a portion of our audience that are math gays, but... Uh, Most of us are gays that are allergic to math. Oh god, I literally... I'm, I'm what's, I've been called, uh, and I hope this does not sound pretentious, because it does sound pretentious to me, but it feels accurate, too. I've had an actual... Like, someone with a PhD call me a armchair scholar, which is to say I read obsessively and res- on my own, like, home research, very specific things. It means very jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and obviously I do not have a doctorate. I am not a scientist. Uh, please do not ask me to do any scientist things. Editor's note. Please submit all scientific inquiries to Study of Monsters on Twitter. Well, there goes the second half of the interview. <laughs> I mean, I can do them. I'm just probably not allowed, officially speaking. Um, but so one of the things in school I remember learning, you know, my teachers mentioning, I would have done this anyway, but they basically were like, look, you're going to be artists, but you also need to be literally everything else. You need to know a little bit about everything else, especially for illustration, which is uh, my bailiwick. I uh, can't believe I just used that word off the top of my head. Anyways, uh, yeah, so with Charcaroo, it was basically, I kind of took the approach I like to take with a lot of anytime I do a cosmic horror theme, although obviously there's huge cad, you know, variation in cosmic horror. Uh, y'all's is more, in this particular case, took on sort of that classic organic with an edge of, you know, strangeness. So combining those sharp edges of, like, the angular arms, but also making them bony, it, it, it creates an unsettling effect, I suppose. At the end of the day, it's a lot of character designs just, uh, it, it's mix and match. Like, I remember as a kid, I had this book of different animals, and it was, it was a kid's, like, playbook. So you've got the three tiles. Like, you could have all the animals in a row, and they were, like, Okay, you've got, let's say you've got a platypus, you've got the head, you've got the middle, and you've got the butt. Uh, and each, you know, little little tab had a description on it. Well, you could flip one of those tabs up, and oh, it's got a mantis shrimp middle now. Uh, and a little, little, I don't, in retrospect, this is actually amazingly well done. Whoever had made that had written it so that all of the little descriptions could flow into each other, like, grammatically, no matter what. So you could make weird hybrid creatures. Uh, so I guess in a way, my process is that. Uh, but slightly more complex and i don't need a children's book to do so that's awesome uh i i know that i've seen books like that before i remember like having some as a kid i don't remember them having uh a flowing grammatical narrative across all possible permutations of zoological horror that i would create so i mean i might I might be misremembering. I was, uh, I, this was when I was very young, and now I'm actually angsting that I don't know what happened to that book. Uh, it probably, I don't even know the title. <laughs> I will never find it again. Oh well. Uh, but I recall getting actual little bestiary, beast, bestiary or bestiary? I think it's bestiary. It's, it's whichever one you want. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I, I think because it's like beast, bestiary. 
That makes more sense and also sounds better. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've always loved bestiary type trees. But yeah. Cool. Um, let's see. You, you you mentioned, you know, the like Cosmic Horror, you know, has like the different kind of variations in it with, uh, as you put it, like the organic feel and stuff like that. I'm curious, like, when it comes to horror as like the the massive genre that it is what are what's your like favorite flavor of horror like what 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 do you enjoy as like not not even necessarily for for art but uh it could be for art could be for you know your own consumption what 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 what's your choice your go-to when it comes to horror well um I'm also a writer, uh, humble brag. Uh, so what I tend to enjoy is the stuff that inspires me. So um, I would say it bounces back and forth between, I mean, definitely I like creature-based horror, best of all. Like, I will still enjoy a good psych horror here or there, or, you know, I'm not big on slasher horror. It's fine, but, you know, I a creature is much more interesting. Um, either either folklore-style horror, or cosmic horror, although cosmic horror, of course, you know, comes with so many loaded issues. I'm sure that y'all are. I mean, y'all are more than familiar with it. So my it's basically a dis- it's basically a disclaimer at every episode at this point where we're like, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft was a horrible dude. We're sorry. Please don't. Like, we're we're trying to make it better. One of the things I've always found interesting... So yeah, I guess in summary, creature-driven horror, for sure, but not just like Monster of the Week or like werewolf stuff, but things involving unbelievable stuff. Uh, like, like one of the approaches I've liked to take with any cosmic horror work I do is Lovecraft's... One of his things is he approached it all, the unknown, from the angle of fear. The unknown is terrifying no matter... And, and, automatically bad because of it no matter how much he would be like it's amoral it's awful uh way to contradict yourself he's not that good a writer some good concepts but buried anyways the point is uh, approaching cosmic horror from the position of awe instead is because awe is does not mean that the thing is safe it does not like a volcano erupting inspires awe um a video of you know an explosion inspires awe like you can appreciate aspects of it you can see beauty and wondrous things in it but goddamn, it's still horrific and it can still kill you and it very well might and you should probably leave you're you're getting into um the concept of the sublime uh yes the sublime <laughs> somebody here has a lit degree and it's me uh <laughs> yeah Nerds. yeah yes 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 we're all nerds uh, here it's all nerds it's nerds all the way down um astronaut meme it always was uh but uh <laughs> uh yeah yeah so, so you it sounds like you're describing the concept of sublimity which is the whole uh standing on the edge of a cliff looking over a grand vista and also being a very aware of the like immediacy of your own insignificance and the peril of like if you were to fall you would most certainly die uh and that's that's part that it's not detached from the awe-inspiring nature of the the thing at hand. It's part of it. Yeah, and it's it's actually interesting because I got a education on the concept of sublime from a different, a slightly like definitely 
in line with, but slightly different angle, is it came up in a liberal arts class uh, at school about, but referring to architecture, referring basically its its role in art rather than in literary, where it basically was meant to be not the opposite of beauty, obviously, but an alternative. The concept of something you said it yourself, something grand. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. I think what you're describing definitely. I had never thought of using the word that way because I'm very literal, so I mostly thought of it in terms of very big skyscrapers. But yeah. it absolutely works. It makes sense. Yeah, that's that's interesting because yeah, the I think the that's it makes sense that it's being uh, applied to things like that. But uh, it's a concept that comes up a lot in like older uh, English literature. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember. It's been a hot minute since I was in university, but uh, there's a couple English writers that were particularly well known for their use of it, uh, because it also is something that seems to co-occur quite a bit with um, ideas of like the uh, the Byronic hero, where like the idea of like being someone who's generally well-meaning but sort of overestimating your own importance and overstepping your own like abilities. And, and basically making everything worse as an exalt uh, as a result, um, because the the it, it meshes quite well with the concept of sublimity, which is like it's not a bad thing, but it is much bigger than you, and you need to respect that it will fucking destroy you. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know the like when you were when both of you were mentioning this, the I am not a lit or English or art major at all uh so i am nowhere near as well versed or articulate when it comes to these matters but the thing that it really made me think of uh growing up in the bible belt is a lot of ye olde testament uh, yes depiction of angelic beings of angels yeah. as these like that's the og cosmic that's horror. yeah the, the og sublimity is absolutely like not just in uh christianity but in like any of those old school religious texts where you have like wheels of flaming eyes and shit any (laughs) any like upper dimensional crazy bigger than you like oh i'm out of my league level yeah and i i mean i've been exploring personally the concept of uh using the sublime to replace the role that sort of that fear and xenophobia in cosmic car had because it meshes well with it because absolutely cosmic yeah. about if you remove the concept of the xenophobia what what it tends to be left i'm sorry for the clattering my cat just knocked things over um, we're used to it Okay, cool. As long as we're all good. She doesn't it, like my kitten is literally her. rolling around on my desk, uh, <laughs> purring oh, madly. Kitten. Yes, his name is Gordon. Uh, Kittens are hell. They're adorable, but they're hell. I've raised one. Oh, I deeply agree. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Um, yeah, the concept of something being bigger than you, the concept of something being unimaginable, uh, but also... I mean, this is extrapolation, because clearly Lovecraft did not think, obviously, that he was writing about natural things. He treated them as unnatural. But that was at odds with some of the the parts in his own writing that resonated with me the most, uh, which were the parts that were like, this is just part of the universe, and that's fine. So yeah, um, when you you strip away xenophobia, uh, I think there's a space left that needs to be filled in. I think sublimity... Uh, and awe 
fit in there nicely uh, and do not come with loaded racism. <laughs> and and you know what? Like, it's. I also think that it's interesting that you bring that up because I feel like we actually touch on that in the finale uh, with August Howard's kind of monologue where he's talking. Uh, he mentions... Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, for, forgive me, anybody. I'm trying to remember this off the cuff. I just remember the thing about bare skin and being like, hmm, that's weirdly erotic. It, 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 <laughs> it is it, it is slightly horny on Maine. Uh, but yeah, he, he basically is just like... He, he basically is just like, yeah, like, you've been there. You've seen it. You've seen the beautiful, chilling depths of the Void Sea. Yeah, I can even see you, like, registering it right there. The lights, the cascading emptiness, the currents ebbing and flowing over bare skin. I love that you're like, oh, I'm like, everyone forgive me. And then word for word. That is Just that is not word it. for word. He is far more arrogant in whatever he said. Also, that's tonal, though. That's tonal. You just you just quoted. Or yeah, you definitely did some quoting there. Yeah, I, I also, know. I know the GM mode when I hear it. Uh huh. Also, I would like to point out that you're like, yeah, it's it's definitely horny on main. Like you didn't write it. <laughs> um, I didn't write it. August Howard spoke through me. <laughs> oh, of course. So uh, what you're telling me is that you are possessed by a madman who is also horny on Maine. All right, everyone. It is canon. August Howard is horny on Maine. Yeah, I'm I'm talentless. <laughs> to be fair, I've had people accuse me because I'm very I mentioned I love anatomy. Uh, and so I've had art where I've lovingly rendered, you know, flesh or whatever. And like, that's horny. I'm like, it's really not meant to be. I yeah, but see, like science. I mean, yeah. what you want to do with that flesh? That's up to you. <laughs> yeah, boss. I mean, that's that's up to them and any consenting adults involved. And yeah, consenting, any consenting, any consenting monsters, any yeah, consenting but, but tentacles. The difference here is that Cat has actively said, like, I I made these things that are very like anatomical and like I think the structure is like beautiful and fascinating. And then people are coming to me and being like, hmm, seems horny. I mentioned that, and you, SJ, actively said, "Yeah, it's horny on Maine." <laughs> do we do we need to ask you and for, I mean, <laughs> you, what you and Trevor Room get up to in the privacy of your own void sea? Uh, is up to, I'm sorry, is that too far? That was perfect. You are on the spirit. Yeah, perfectly excellent, yet. excellent. Listen, listen. Blake is in a committed relationship. All right, he he doesn't need any of that. What you know, August has already proven that you know his marriage is in shambles. So you know, so he can get up for whatever he wants to with all those hands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is the content that our audience wants. I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um. Let's see. Okay. So I know that I I have given you the primer before. I've I've briefed you on our. Our protocol regarding the noir sona. Yes. We talked about this a little off verbal camera, or as I like to call them, microphone. <laughs> it came to a conclusion. So I would, if, if you don't mind, would you be willing to unveil your noir sona for the people at home? I, I could do that. Should I do the DM voice uh, while I do it? I mean, if you don't, I'll cry. Oh well, God! Uh, is that supposed to be incentive or uh, to to I, do it or not? I don't know. Do what, I, I don't know what you're into <laughs> now. So. Incentive or deterrence? Like what? Uh, what are you up to, SJ? Are we, are we, 
I mean, I assume people have empathy and don't want people to cry, but... That's presumptuous of you. You just killed Mickey O'Shea. I think a lot of people want you to cry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I did. Well, the thing slowly sauntering down the alley on very long legs. They just go on forever. Like, uh, unfortunately, if you measure them, you will get different numbers back each time. But it, it saunters, it's sauntering down that alley, and there's a sway, you know, stepping one foot in front of another, like someone on a catwalk. Which is good, because it is a cat, and cats generally do walk like that. That's why it's called the catwalk. It is a black cat. It is a black cat with endless eyes. There's probably only two of them, but you probably shouldn't count, just in case. Uh, and it's very atmospheric. In fact, if you didn't know Bear, you'd say that the colors leach out of everything around you, as if the world is twisting to be just a little more noir, a little more atmospheric. It's almost uh, thematic. It's almost meta, even. Uh, because after all, what is what is more noir than that black alley cat perched on the on the smoking windowsill or on the fire escape, watching you silhouetted against that star skyline? It is almost definitely a cat. You will continue to insist it is a cat. You will not question that it is a cat. And any concept to the contrary is really best not thought about. Or how many of those paws you feel if it climbs onto your chest at night to do that really creepy thing. Cats, actual cats, not that this isn't an actual cat. That that thing that made people think that they stole breath from babies. Yeah, it totally does that. It probably isn't stealing your breath. Not your breath. I, I, I make no promises about anything else. It's a cat! It's an alley cat! It's a thematic alley cat. That's my Norsena. So the reason I said that this was incredibly appropriate, uh, I'd like to go back through the back catalog of some of our previous Skymail questions from folks uh, and read you some things. Oh, boy. uh, For the mysteries for Blake to solve. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. I'm really curious now. You know how cats like to leave you dead animals when they think you're weak and can't feed yourself? What does it mean when they start leaving you bits of people? That sounds about uh yes, so now we know which cat was doing that. I'm I'm going to These new bit these new bits of pieces uh that the cats are bringing are starting to look not very human like. That'll happen. You've leveled up. Congratulations. You're not as helpless as you were before. Th- there's there is an outstanding outstanding uh line of discussion regarding pet vanishing and mysterious cats in the Blake Sky universe. So... There's nothing mysterious about this one at all. It is definitely a cat. It is just a cat. Uh, And any questions to the contrary should be locked in a box in the back of your head and forgotten. Yeah, perfectly normal cat. Normal cat. Leave it from Tuna. Normal cat. Is a perfectly normal cat. It is normal to not be able to see any contours in the black fur of a black cat. I mean, everyone's tried to take a photo of a that's, black cat. Yeah. It just looks that's like just a cats. hole in the world. Yeah, that's just, that's cat. just how cats are. Yeah. They, they just stare at you for hours in the same spot. Like my cat has been doing mm-hmm. for like the last 15 minutes. Holy crap, caterpillars. Mm-hmm. It is perfectly normal <laughs> to look at a cat and see the exact moment of your death in vivid detail played over and over and over an infinity of your demise 
crammed into three seconds until you are jarred back to life as it nudges you with its head, pushing you towards its food bowl. It's kibble. (laughs) Same brain. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's why you adopt a cat. It is. I literally picked this one out of a parking lot. So, I mean, if uh, all the cats uh, in this, I won't say which city I'm in because uh, doxing. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, literally, uh, yeah, no. Uh, literally, everyone I know, uh, the cat, you do not pick a cat. You, a cat finds you. You are picked by a cat. There's at least one changeling in my friend group that is in the shape of a cat. Stupid Mothman. What a gremlin. That was the kitten I raised. He's hell. I love him. Kale, you got anything else? I have been a fool. I thought I had more time, so I'm eating chocolate chips. Um, if you wouldn't, yeah, if you wouldn't mind uh, going over, you know, j- just how you how you became to be a uh, professional artist, storyteller, uh, general creative dynamo. Oh well, thank you. Uh, well, see, that actually, I'm glad that you specified, because the question of how did you become an artist is a little bit uh, simplistic. The answer is, uh, my parents took me to an art museum when I was two, and I came home and I started drawing, and that was it. So I've literally been drawing since I was two, is the, the short answer of how, but that's not how I became a professional artist. Um, that has been a, a slightly longer journey. Obviously, uh, everyone in my entire family figured out very, very quickly that uh, art was going to be probably the direction I was going to go. Uh, I think around the beginning of high school, my dad was like, you should still apply to liberal arts colleges for other stuff. And then by the time I actually senior year came around, he was like, no, don't just just apply to the art places. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> everyone understood. Everyone's like, no, just just do the thing. Um, it has actually been kind of a... the the winding road to get to be a full-time illustrator. Uh, And I constantly live in a state of how is this real? Because I graduated college and promptly did a couple of freelance jobs. And then I went to work at a grocery store. And then I went to work at a hardware store. And I remained working retail for a ludicrous amount of time. During which I was like, I'm doing art on the side, various side projects that I'm exhausted to do because retail is hell. You know, not really able to. You can't. Re- you can't really do the hustle full time if you're coming home from just service industry. Uh, and then the pandemic happened. Uh, so I don't know if I, I'd mentioned this previously. I've only been working like full time. I've been working professionally as an illustrator since I graduated college. Like I've had jobs. Off and on, I've been trained in it, and I, you know, negotiating contracts, all that stuff since then. But doing it full time has been since maybe June. Uh, <laughs> yeah, since June. So I'm basically getting. I'm trying to hit the ground running. Is what's happening here, uh, which is why I'm gonna <clears throat> shout out to all you lovely listeners. Uh, if you enjoy horror and you happen to have any spare cash and need art done, uh, at Study of Monsters on Twitter commissions are open sorry for obviously you can totally edit that out if you need to no but give yeah, them your uh, money oh <laughs> well, please please give me money please also I- listeners i swear i will stop making this podcast if you do not give them money this is not a joke this is a threat this is serious i i would you know it'd be cool listeners if you paid sj to then pay me to draw more art for this podcast that would sure be something wouldn't it 
Exactly. Do it, nerds. You won't. Support us Cowards. on the Patreon. Yeah. And I've got a Kofi. I don't currently have a Patreon set up. Still working on that. Oh my god, there's so much to do. Uh, Full-time hustle, like I said. Um, but I am available on Kofi. Again, that's Study of Monsters and Study of Monsters on Twitter. And if you happen to still roam the depths of uh, Tumblr, I'm the Study of Monsters because Combo Breaker. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm available for commissions and yeah, I'm available for special projects as well if you don't see something you like on my commission list. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got in basically by having a meltdown due to the pandemic making retail life even worse. Uh, and texting friends about it and one of them who also had quit years prior. She she did this in the full I respect to this person because they just went for it uh, you know, after college quit retail and immediately jumped into freelance full time texted me like, you should just quit and, well, like, what they actually said was you should quit and do furry art because furries pay a lot, I hear. Uh, Boy, how do you do that? <laughs> I have heard that, yes from a friend who does furry art uh, Oh, I, I, kn I know that because I'm secretly a furry. I mean, I'm I like it's so we're confessing, right? Scaly here, dragons, etc. Anyway, I like I like the the thought. Like I've never met a a furry or a furry adjacent person who thought they were subtle but actually were. But no. <laughs> I feel like it's always fairly apparent if you know what to look for. You're like, oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure anyone who's like looked at the amount of snarling monsters with teeth and stuff and again are for you to the lovingly rendered anatomy of people being like that's horny and i'm like not not intentionally no but anyways um i'll draw you for also if someone wants to commission me a draw for you i'll absolutely do it anyways yeah that was the initial i initially was expecting that to be the main source but actually i've gotten a lot of character design commissions and um apparently there's a niche for monsters so that's cool although i'm also drawing furries which is fine because that's basically just another type of weird hybrid thing so i still get to use the exact same skills it's cool it's <laughs> awesome uh, my brain was like why not both why not both it's basically the deal um so yeah that's that's how i got into the professional thing is i basically decided hey what if i quit my job and just did it uh and i cannot advocate that for anyone else because i I say this, this sounds weird to say, but I keep getting told by people that I'm unnaturally lucky. And so far it's holding up, which terrifies me because it's like, is it going to run out? Uh, <laughs> commission me. Anyway. I mean, I, I will, I will say that while you may be lucky, you are also incredibly talented. So, um, like you've, it's not all luck. You are an amazing artist and uh, you know, just some behind the scenes, amazingly easy to work with. I had such a positive experience getting the Chagarum art done. Uh, like, it was one of those things where, you know, I you were very receptive to any feedback or anything that I had, but you also um, weren't afraid to be like, hey, you know, I think that this would be a really cool thing. And every single thing you said was 100% spot on an improvement on the idea. So thank you. Uh, you were a great client to work with, honestly, as you were likewise, you were really, you know, pretty prompt in getting back to me on stuff. Um, and and by I'm sorry, you, I'm sorry, you broke up. Could you say the part where I was really great again? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you were you were you were an excellent client to work with. Um, All right. Sorry, it broke up again. Just one more. Tentacles. 
Ah, damn it. <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've, I've, I've been foiled. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, one, one of, it was, I forget who, oh, no, I remember who it was. One of my friends on Facebook, like, literally just tagged you and was like, hey, you should get art from this person. And shout out to Ben uh, for that, because that was an amazing uh, choice. Oh, my gosh, I'm not on Facebook, so that's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, it was, not, it was on Twitter, not on Facebook, not on Facebook, my bad. Oh, okay, cool. I was going to say, I was like, whoa. People are yeah, talking I was about like, behind my back. What? <laughs> why is there? Why? Why does? Well, I won't go into politics. Why does uh, Redacted want to know about me? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, they they were on Twitter, not Facebook. I'm, I'm okay. just, I'm running on two. Oh, I'm running on two hours. Of a sleep. liar. I'm running on two hours <laughs> of sleep right now. So you gotta, you gotta bear with me. Oh, that's not right. You gotta get more than that, man. Well, I was at work for twenty four hours. So why? Because <laughs> that's my job. That's bad. <laughs> It, you're not wrong. I've got until May 31st to rectify this situation. Oh, fingers crossed for you then. Because uh, as, as someone who literally had a panic attack and break down at their day job and was like, the solution is I'm going to take a leave of absence. Actually, my boss was great. He actually um, gave me a leave of absence so I didn't have to do a two weeks notice. He was just like, here, you're going to take three months off and at the end of that if you don't want to come back we can just not have you come back you're not gonna get paid during that but you can just go so i basically got to like soft test the commission thing and be like is this going to work am i going to be able to make rent off of just art and i did which was shocking and surprising uh and i mean i had can't emphasize enough how grateful i am to everyone who bought work who helped promote me and also, how shockingly receptive people are to me just repeatedly advertising myself. Like, I keep expecting someone to call me out on Twitter. You post a link to your Kofi after every single thing. Uh, no, people favorite those. What the heck? They're favoriting my ads. I did once almost work in advertising. There was a brief stint. Uh, it was a little bit off topic, but basically there was a brief stint where I was uh, interned repeatedly at a major advertising company, uh, but all of my connections left before I graduated college, so that didn't work out. It's okay, I don't think I wanted to work in uh, advertising, although I do have resume padding that looks pretty good now, because I, I have some some big names that I'm not going to say in the podcast uh, for, you know, simplicity for everyone, but I can be like, yeah, I did work for them. Did not get royalties, though. Probably should have negotiated. Always negotiate for royalties. Kale, you got anything? Um, Any more chocolate chips? No, no, I'm done with the chocolate chips now. Uh, I was really hoping that you would cut that out because uh, I will. I will. The mouse sounds. The mouse sounds were almost terrible. Listen, I will. Well, almost I, certainly terrible. Listen, I will. Don't worry. Editor's note. Oops. Better. Uh. Well. Hmm. Trying to think. Uh. Well, you said you write. Uh, have you ever considered getting into the podcast business yourself? Or, uh, like, uh, what, what kind of stuff do you write? I mostly do comics, actually. Um, I'm currently, between commissions, very slowly working on my own. I don't want to call it a webcomic because I'm not releasing it in the traditional webcomic format. Um, but I am basically doing a serial of stories that I'm going to... 
I always work, I don't work well doing it from page to page because I, a story is just more cohesive for me and the writing will come out better if I do it all at once. Are you doing more like a zine type thing where it's like the, the, uh, the established story is all together and you're releasing it more like rather than sort of page by page, more like chapter or uh, like one shot story issue by yeah. issue. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to be doing um, issue by issue. Um, and I'm going to be, unfortunately, experimenting with putting it behind a paywall, but the paywall's $2, so hopefully people will still buy it. I mean, people gotta, you, you, I mean, you gotta eat. You- I gotta, and it takes a lot of time to work on this comic. Um, it's called We Cast Strange Shapes, and it actually has a touch of cosmic horror to it, but not really any noir. It is a mm. uh, fantasy sort of sci-fi merge. Think post-post-apocalyptic. Think Nausicaa-type stuff. Think... Oh. Uh, I love Nazis. Very think, cool. Think Very so into that. Think so far past the apocalypse that we're already back into civilization, but also there's magic, and also there's, yeah. you know, like a bus that drives around called the Kletka Express that runs on dragon's blood, and dragons are aliens from space that are nuclear-powered. Uh, and the main characters are a, a wizard who claims to be a dragon cursed uh, into a human form, uh, and something that is definitely a normal human. Definitely normal human. Just like a normal cat? Is, I was gonna say, no relation not, to the normal cat? Is definitely not wearing a porcelain mask that's magically animated for a face, and there's definitely not a mouth below that mask full of sharp, sharp teeth. And it's definitely not a mimic at all. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> I, I love mimics. Oh, Lazaretti's great. Actually, she was in an OCT recently. That's a uh, online comics tournament, an original comics tournament. Uh, that, huh. is, that is some nerd shit right there. But yeah, no, I write comics. I've dabbled in prose, but I'm so into the art side that comics is just the perfect meaning. It's, it's literary and it's art. I can do both. It takes forever. I, 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 that, I wish that I... Like, that was something that I really wanted to do, and then I realized that I have no visual art capability. So then I just, I, I dumped, like, I dumped all my stats in, in prose. <laughs> prose says, look, there are things you can, but here's the thing, especially with Cosmic Horror, there's stuff you can do with prose that you can't do in a visual medium. Because in prose, you can use the unreliable narrator concept. Like, you can use... The fact that you're describing a sensory experience, but the reader has to picture it for themselves. And so you can discuss, you know, the concept of, you know, almost a synesthesia-like experience. And that translates better in prose, much better than it does in visuals, where you have to get a little more clever. Because if you're doing visuals, it's either, if you try to go too hard, it's going to look like a mess. You have to balance it being a visual mess and it also still hitting the pings of this ain't right. Uh, which I think, like a good example I think is object heads. I know most people don't think of object head type characters with like a floating triangle for a head as cosmic horror, but I'm like, that is that is how you do it. It's that slight that, it, it's it's weird. It's, it's just weird. not quite right. It's just not quite it right. It kind of makes me think of uh, Mr. Nobody from Doom Patrol a little bit, like that sort of I don't know what that is. Me either. I'm sorry. You're alone. You're all alone. So alone. Well, some listener out there is like, yeah. And you know what? I love that listener. Uh, I was going to say that it's interesting what you brought up because that is something I've noted myself before. Um, There's like different mediums have different strengths. 
like uh, in an audio medium, obviously, we lose out a lot on the visual stuff because you don't want to get it too heavy into description. So you have to use a lot of the space to convey like how big a room is and like how heavy something is. And like a lot of that goes into uh, audio design. And then obviously with like art, there's a, a lot of... You can't do sound the, cues in a like, comic. Not really. Yeah. And you can't do the visceral part of it too. Whereas like I, I write as well and I... I've considered before, like, collaborating with people making it iconic, but the problem is that the way I write is very visceral. And you can't really, like, you can have someone standing in a cold street and, like, a plume of, of like, cold mist coming out of their mouth, but you can't really describe that feeling when it's so cold that you can feel, like, the ache and, the, like, the no, the bones of your nose and jaw. Like, that's not really something you can communicate. I'd argue in. you can but it takes a lot of extra spaces because what you're describing is mm. you can do that, but you're going to be adding... If I was doing a comic, what that would be is three additional pages of what is essentially three seconds in time with huge yeah. panels super focused on these tiny little like snapshot details. Yeah, but the then it's, it's, that it's not a worthwhile use of space for most things unless you're specifically doing like an art comic type, type thing. Or... Like it's you could true. go, or you could go full Frank Miller and just put like a block of text on the side in a oh. that's just like the city was cold, <gasps> so cold I could feel it in my bones. That's okay. That's a picture book. That that is a that is a novel that, that a, has that illustrations. I've worked on picture books. That is an insult. To picture. I, books. I, 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 I love how angry I just made both of you with that. <laughs> oh. I, I have no uh, opposition to that, but that's not a traditional, like, because that's, like, that's an illustrated novel. Like, that's not... That's not... That is, that is telling, not showing, is what he's doing there. It's not really good in... Uh, to, to, yeah. some, to some degree, in some medium, I feel like it works. With Sin City, I feel like it works because it, it pays homage to, like, the narrator that exists in a lot of pulp. It is very noir. Like it, it it's is very, noir. very noir. I will, <laughs> to you just know what? I, will, I will allow that. Nor but to be But when he does stuff like that in like other stuff that is not that sort yeah. of motif, yeah. it's just ham fisted. Yeah, overblown. Yeah. And the fact that and the and the fact that he describes every single piece of architecture in every single city as like a woman is creepy and I don't like it. There's a lot of things about Frank Miller that are creepy. Yep, there sure are. <laughs> we can throw him in the box of Lovecraft and just be like, that's problematic. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean yeah, hearkening back, speaking of people who need to understand the concept of sublimity this thing oh. was creepy. Like, no, fucking, just because it is big and, and you feel intimidated by it doesn't mean that it's not also beautiful. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, it's ugly, and it, ugh. And like I said, just, like, basically always just, it's horrible, it's horrible, it's horrible. It's immoral, and it's outside of nature, and so we can't judge it, but it's horrible. It's like, way to show your bias. Yeah, but hear me hear me out. How does it feel ebbing and flowing over your naked skin? Just... <laughs> yeah, it feels horny on Maine, my dude. <laughs> it feels very horny on Maine. That sounds like some horny on Maine. It, okay, no, wait, there's two ways it feels. It feels like horny on Maine, or it feels like when you're in the ocean and seaweed gets on your leg and you pretty much levitate out of the water. Or <laughs> you just clip once. through the map to escape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that the the it's it's like one of those memes where the, the DuckTales moon theme starts playing and the thing just floats away. Oh my god. 
Like the skateboard and home stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Uh... Alright, uh, do we have any other questions for our esteemed guest? I don't have any. Um, have you got anything that you'd like to to ask us, to put out, to, you know, shout into the endless void that exists between dimensions? I mean, as usual, I will always shout into the endless void. I'm available for work, uh, and I will... I, I've just been advertised as being great to work with, um, and I'm <laughs> high prices. You can you can quote you can quote me on that yeah you can put that as right there. <laughs> awesome! I've got I've got a I got a reference now. Um, but I love. I was to say I love the implication that you're shouting into the void like abyss abyss hire me. That is what it feels like. The void like. hire me. That is what it feels like. <laughs> and the abyss is like, will you draw my axolotl? Oh, I would love to draw an axolotl. Is the answer to that. Oh, I do pet portraits if people want them. I don't know. I haven't gotten paid to do one yet, but I, I drew my cat and everyone's like, that's cute. So, although to be fair, she's automatically cute. So, um, I guess, was there anything about my piece that caught you off guard or like some, like gave, gave, I guess I'm sort of curious, like, have you been inspired by it in any way you didn't expect? Uh, and I, that sounds really sort of uh, self aggrandizing to be like how do you like my work tell me but really i guess what i mean is i'm curious no i i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna fucking aggrandize you yeah cool, cool. you're you're on a call with somebody who got a nomination for an audioverse award because i was like tell me i'm good and nominate me <laughs> you're in you know, good company yeah no um if if anything inspired you I'd love to know, like, or anything was a surprise to you or, like, something like that. I guess I'm always curious about that. So it's not a surprise, because obviously you brought it up to me to be like, hey, I want to do this, and I think that this would be cool, and I'm like, I concur. The notion of, like, in my mind when I originally thought about it, I always pictured the eyeball as being, like, a stock eye. Kind of like, kind of like in... Again, I'm a huge nerd. Like a snail. Uh, Honestly, more like the... Dianog in Star Wars, the thing in the trash compactor. <laughs> that guy. That like pokes its eye up and looks around. Uh that guy. Yeah. Like that's that's what I viewed it as in my brain. And like you're like, what if floaty eyeball? Unnatural what the, eye. <laughs> what if the eye is the back is the void in the back of the throat? I was just like, uh, wow, like, I, I really like that idea. And you're right, like, it does lend an unnatural quality to something that could just be basically a kaiju meatball if you lean too hard into, like, the it's big and fleshy and weird. Gotta go a little abstract. With, with, if, you, if, you're, if you're doing Cosmic Heart that's fleshy, throw a little bit of the abstract in there, a little bit of the mathy stuff. And that, and that, I... That actually is something that you brought up that has stuck with me. And I've, in some of the Noir Sona stuff that I've been writing and in Ooh. some of the other stuff, I've taken some of that and I've tried to temper all of the, it's a big thing that's scary and make sure to add that. Make something that folds in. It's like, make it fold, you know, make it, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, fur fold on impossible angles or whatever, like, you know, right angles five times or something. 
impossible shit. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm supposed to swear on this. Impossible stuff. We 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 censor it, and we 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 we've at, in in honor of Kale's passing. Rest in peace. You know this 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 is a this is a this is a swear zone. We're all we're all safe. We're all swearing. Yeah, I'll you're s- in good company. My first ever Sky Mail, I swore 13 times and managed and to I slip missed. all of them under the radar. <laughs> I, oh, missed, done. I missed so many. Uh, I'm out of practice because I used to censor it at work all the that? time, and now I'm like, nope, nope, nope. But uh, but but yeah, you can that, blame me. But that that is definitely something that like you mentioned, and I was like, that's a really good rule of thumb. And I don't know, like with that and with with talking to Kale about Mickey and, you know, like getting the uh, hashtag Mickey voice trademark, uh, having like kind of rules that I look at myself and I'm like, okay, how did I make this sentence too long? And how do I get rid of like every bit of flowery language to make this as brutal and functional as possible? Yeah. And and a little bit gross. Like one of the things I, I explained, I was like, Mickey doesn't really use a lot in the way of adjectives. Mickey tends to use um, descriptive verbs a lot uh, and sometimes in kind of unpleasant ways. But a lot of the evocative language Mickey uses is just them being creative in their verbiage uh, rather than describing things Uh, because it's a very active way of speaking. It's very much it's about the doing. It's not about what things are. And so I think I think that that's kind of what I really appreciated. I mean, obviously, I appreciate getting an amazing piece of art as well, but it was such an interesting lesson with that with so many people that I've dealt with in the podcast and stuff like that. I, you get to take away something that you can add to your tool belt, and that was one of those moments for me. Oh, I'm super flattered to hear that. I'm glad that I was uh, literally inspiring, uh, and I look forward to, to seeing what is brought from it. Uh, like I said, uh, impossible angles. That's a good one. That's always a good one. Uh, mm. Or familiar angles, but, but they're wrong this time. But they're wrong <laughs> this time. I, look, one of my favorite sentences. This is one of those things that I can't do visually. But like, I once read a story where like there was just like a line where like the ceiling is. I think it was. You know, I think it was. I think it was a, a game for. Am I allowed to mention? Uh, you know, IPs. Yeah. On this, okay. Yeah. A fall in London. Which, by the way, has great cosmic horror elements to it. They're the dudes who did Sunless Sea as well. Uh, Fail Better Games. Um, Fallen London uh, slash Echo Bazaar was one of their early games. Uh, Huge inspiration for me. And there was one part where you're in a weird place and there's just the line like, the ceiling is wrong. The ceiling is wrong. And it's the end of like this description of, you know, how of unsettling things that don't quite give you a full picture of the thing. It's basically absolutely great uh and you can't you can't explain the this the concept of just that line of just the thing is wrong is evocative if you use it, it has to do with its placement obviously because you can't just throw it out there and be like yeah there you go it's spooky uh but if placed right that's very evocative to me and you can't do that with visuals because i have to show you why it's wrong and yeah or yeah yeah just show the character's reaction, which is a little bit cheating, but can be a good way to to latch back into that unreliable narrator thing. Uh, I was going to say, if I, if I may actually mention uh, an IP, uh, an audio, like a podcast that does this really well, is uh, I am in I am in SQ. Uh, it does that really well, 
uh, for the same reason, because there's no visual element to it. And it involves a lot of that same sort of uh, uh, language and, and use, um, like descriptions of places and people that are just like a description. And then he'll say something weird about it, but it, it's all from this very sort of resigned tone of somebody who's been in something too long so it's this like and then this happened as usual kind of thing and i went home <laughs> like, uh it's it's very good uh it's very very good uh worth checking the content warnings on a lot of the episodes uh because some of them uh can be kind of rough uh mm. emotionally uh for the most part but uh very very good i've been trying to get sj to listen to it uh i'm actively I'm like, actively just being like, like, uh, calling you out now. Like, Mr. Lister, I'm in a scare. I, 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 I swear I will as soon as I have finished making this podcast. No, I, 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 will, I will do it. I will do it before that. I, I actually have caught up on a couple of them. So it, I honestly might, that might be my next one that I start. Yeah. I really re- love it. I gotta say, I've been running into trouble with with horror podcasts recently because so I keep finding really good ones, uh, but they keep unfortunately. So I, I have chronic depression, uh, and unfortunately, I'm one of those people who cannot, I cannot consume media that accurately like I love that it exists media that accurately portrays depression. But media that does that absolutely mm. triggers mine. So it's like I can't get through yeah. these episodes. I have to leave if it gets too like. Too real. Oh. Too real. I'm like I can't Unf- do it. It has. Unfortunately, I am. I am in a skew. May not be for you then. Yeah, uh, that's that's fine. I've gotten used to it, and I understand. And it's like I really, you know, do respect it. And it's a little bit of a bummer because there's some really good me out there. But it is something that I know for me personally. Yeah, to, to all you fans out there, horror fans out there, it's okay if you can't handle some stuff personally because of personal reasons that's all right yeah take, nothing wrong with that take, that's what content warnings yeah, are for I'm take, like, take, that's care, take care of yourself first and foremost like do, don't don't fall into like some dumbass trap where it's like people are like oh you know like you have to hurt yourself to you know appreciate this thing oh yeah that's bs yeah absolutely those, BS. those people can go straight to hell sideways yeah 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 yeah. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Uh, you said you don't have a Patreon yet. You do have a Ko-Fi coffee. What are those? Coffee. I think it's Ko-Fi or coffee. Uh, yeah, it's um, coffee.com uh, slash study of monsters. Uh, study, S-T-U-D-Y, of monsters. No gaps or anything. Uh, study of monsters is also my Twitter handle and where I post all my art. Um, currently, I'm going through and posting a bunch of old art I dug up, but it's... Uh, you know, still some still quality stuff. I'm still like, hey, this is cool. So there should be some new comics for me up soon. Uh, the first We Cast Strange Shapes issue is uh, buried somewhere in my Twitter media tab. Uh, I will hopefully get a website for that up and running. But it is a 15, 16 page comic uh, that is free to read currently because that, that first one is uh, to reel y'all in. Um, yeah. And uh, my website is uh, studyofmonsters.com, or it might be the Study of Monsters. I can't believe I've forgotten. Give me one <laughs> second. Um, I'm. I, I need to check. It's the studyofmonsters.com. Okay, cool. Yes, and actually, 
We Cast Strange Shapes is entirely available to read from there. So if you don't want to have to go digging through Twitter's uh, idea of an archive, <laughs> uh, you can go there to read it. And it is free. And like I said, is it's uh, nuclear space dragons, uh, weird folklore style magic that, you know, will make a DM crazy if they tried to make a system out of it because uh, it refuses. Uh, cognito hazard demon antimatter things are a little hard to explain. Uh, post post apoc, um, and and it was definitely not a mimic in a lot of clothing and a large sun hat. Hell yeah! yeah. Uh, I'll I'll make sure to uh, embed the link in the show notes on the website when I put this one up on Thank there. You. Uh, I'm sure SJ will probably put the uh, the link in the show notes on other things. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so it, you know, uh, I, 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 was re- I was really hoping there would be a mimic, but the rest of it still sounds cool, even though there's not a mimic in it, you know? There's definitely not a mimic, and there definitely won't be more mimics, and they definitely aren't a major part of the story. Well, I mean, again, I am, I, I am disappointed in this, but it still sounds really cool. They definitely, I definitely have not designed it so that they have tiny little eyes like a scallop. That's very good. If you haven't uh, looked at what, S- SJ, do you know what a scallop's eyes look like? Yes. Good, it's important. Now that's cosmic heart. <laughs> <laughs> scallops are cosmic horror, it's canon. Like I said, nature, you can't make this stuff up. Nature is horrible, we all say very affectionately. Oh, I love it. It's great. It's awful. It's absolutely horrific. That that just oh. that just seems like that should be like a cross stitch. Like nature is horror. The nature is horrible. Little floral then, design. Oh no, there should be a little heart with the floral design, but it's an anatomical heart. Oh, that's very. Good. <laughs> it's it's a heart, but inside the heart are teeth. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I just and I between love the teeth, teeth. Between the teeth are little scallop eyes. So that definitely does not dis- that doesn't describe a mimic at all. Definitely not. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Kat. I really appreciate it. Thank you, SJ, for having me, and thank you, Kat. I appreciate it. Uh, no, thanks y'all... for uh, thanks for putting up with us. Oh, and thanks for your art. Yeah, and, th- and thanks cool. thanks for thanks for learning to dunk on me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 a social mimic, and I swear I'm not just using the word again. Uh, I, I just, I just, you know, look around. I want, and I want to believe you, but look around with your your little scallop, uh, scallop eyes. eyes. Uh, oh, my tiny scallop eyes, grin with large secret teeth. mouth. <laughs> yeah, secret mouth, interlocking shark teeth. All right, well, that's about everything we have time for this month. Uh, thanks again for listening, and Kale. Uh, have you got anything that you want to shout into the nameless void that exists between all living people? With tiny scallop eyes? Uh, yeah, I uh, I actually, if you're not aware, I am on a, a second podcast now uh, as a strange character. Uh, I'm on the podcast, the horror podcast by Zach Emery, The Stranger. You can find it on Twitter at... Uh, at the stranger 1935 uh and on all of your favorite podcatchers uh we're new but fun they're currently four episodes out uh so it's a good time to kind of onboard episode five will hopefully be coming soonish uh 
And uh, yeah, and to check out the website, uh, our website, blakeskypi.com, and tell me I did a good job because I made that and I maintain it. <laughs> and follow us on Patreon. Awesome. Um, I would just like to say personally, thank you to everybody who nominated the podcast and individuals from the podcast for the Audioverse Awards. Thanks to you. Uh, we got a general nomination for the podcast and four nominations uh, on an individual level. Myself for writing, uh, Kale for the visual design, as well as for supporting actor for the role of Mickey O'Shea. And Zane got a nomination for supporting actor for Herschel Spielman slash The Rat King. Herschel Spielman slash The Rat King sounds like Archive of Our Own's Worst Ship. And now, an installment from Mastership Theater, starring Herschel Spielman and The Rat King. Gosh, you know, I'm hard. I ain't winning no beauty contest. Got some dick. I came. This has been Mastership Theater. Thank you for listening. We now return you to whatever the hell you were listening to. <laughs> uh, I mean, we don't know what's going on in there, you know? That's terrible. You're terrible. Anyway, uh, that seems like an excellent note to end this on. Yeah, no, it's not because uh, I can't I can't let that go. I do want to say if you live in the United States of America, there is an election coming up soon. Please, please go vote. Please, please, if you are able to vote, I am going to beseech you to vote in such a way that you vote for someone who is not a horrible fascist and wants to undermine the very foundation of freedom and democracy, even if there might be a candidate that you might not necessarily be super jazzed about voting for, but is, you know, not going to lead us into a future where people of color queers uh, lg yeah and uh, lgb lgbtq individuals and uh disabled women people. yeah and disabled people have to worry about their representation and their health and their safety and their continued ability to exist yeah you know all those things that you know are important for all of us to maintain and to fight for except for me because i'm dead uh, and Canadian, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, Can we're all ghosts. All, ca all Canadians are ghosts. Vote in your elections. Vote for candidates that will do their best to represent, you know, a kinder, a more egalitarian society. Um, the best thing that we can do is get rid of, you know... Donald Trump, the best thing that we can do is get rid of Mitch McConnell. I mean, the best thing that could happen is Mitch McConnell is struck dead by, you know, whatever powers that be out there. If if you're there, God, please, please. Yeah, genuinely, though, like as as your northern neighbor, uh, you may not realize this, but Canadian culture is basically just pointing at the states and going, look how good we're doing. We're not as much of a mess as they are. So, as you guys continue to descend, so do we, because our standards of, for ourselves keep dropping. So please, please, 
Uh, it is getting worse here because we're getting lazy. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a joke. It's not. I know. Like, a lot of goofs, a lot of things. In all seriousness, you know. Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. Be good and decent Just, people to each other. Yeah. Look out for each other. Be kind. And yeah, like... That's if you can just be kind to people, all the rest of it honestly kind of falls into place. Mm -hmm. You don't have to understand something to be respectful of it. Uh, listen to people who have different experiences than your own and just be willing to like address and, and accept when you've made a mistake. That's adulthood. We all, we all fuck up. That's a good, yeah, That's I think that's a good thing to go up on. We all fuck up. And we can all be better. And we all will be better. Menacing. Yes, we all will be better. Okay, well, that's I Howard. will make sure of it. <laughs> uh, Alright. All right. Th 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 this outro is far too long. <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit some of this down. Yeah. Or and maybe I'll just keep all this in. No. And all the swears. No, yes. okay. <laughs> we did actually, there is one more thing that I do need to address. I know a lot of you are like, oh no, like, Mickey O'Shea is dead. That means we're never going to see Kale again. Uh, that's not true. Uh, one, uh, Kale is our webster. Uh, our webmaster. Uh, I'm also the ghost that haunts this podcast now. This is my final resting place. Also, still continues to be Mummy Dad. <laughs> Proud father. Uh, you know, there are other projects in the future which Kale may or may not be a part of. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm going to commit a coup and then uh, this is going to become my podcast. There will not be a Blake Sky story episode this month as we're kind of taking an off uh, for the season so that I can recuperate uh, and not have to keep pumping out script pages. But it is a very special time of year, a very special season. Go get your flu shot. That Yes, get your flu shot. But also... <laughs> Wait, was that not the season you were talking about? <laughs> no, it's, it's Halloween. We're talking about Halloween. What's spookier than getting the flu? Hmm... <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm not even gonna touch that one. COVID but you should keep your ears open because by the pricking of my thumbs, something stupid this way comes. It's me. I'm the stupid thing that's coming. Oh no, that sounded unintentionally that's, corny. No, that's what we're. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right, I'm stopping it there.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Prospector Howard sneaking into this episode. 